those listeners who are just listening, first off, I'm so sorry. Um, you just missed what was essentially the opening credits of a true detective season uh, <laughs> that Justin has created uh, the Family Stone trailer out of. Um, very nice. Very nice. Thank you. How's it going, everyone? Welcome to the Uncultured Cinematic Universe. We are the podcast where two friends show each other movies, shows, and anything else that they need to see, hear, or experience. I'm your host, Joe, and I'm joined, as always, by the Uncultured Justin. Hello. Today, we're asking the age-old question, is it justified to terrorize a somewhat innocent woman if you have a terminal disease? The 2005 <laughs> divisive Christmas rom-com, The Family Stone. I want to get into the divisiveness of this movie. <laughs> Here's the deal. Here's the deal. This Let's break it down. comes up on Twitter. I'm going to send you like my favorite tweets that I find about yeah. this movie because Good. people either love this movie as like a holiday classic or they fucking hate this movie. Where do you stand, Justin? Um, okay, so first, okay, so yes, I am the I'm in the uncultured seat. Never saw this before. Uh, I had no idea what I was getting myself into, and you I really you didn't know anything. No, and and I I'm trying to remember back in the time when this movie came out, and I, I was 18. I was doing 18 year old shit. Uh, I I don't remember this causing a blip on my radar. Um, so I knew nothing about it, about this stacked cast, about the SJP, uh, you know, coming off the, the hot heels of Sex in the City. And then it's just this biting, weird 24 hour whirlwind of shitty people being shitty to each other. They're so mean. This family is so mean. Spoiler alert, the family stone, mean. Mean. I mean, okay, it makes sense. You know, they're not like the the family feathers. You know, the feathers. Yeah. They're not the feather stones. They're just stones. They're hard. They're mean. So many, so many like various meanings to the title of this movie. Cause like Family Stone, obviously the name of the family in question. They are the stones. Family Stone, they're hard to like break into, as Sarah Jessica Parker finds. Family Stone, the ring that is oh, kind of central yeah. to this movie. There you go. Get that rock. Get that rock, mama. Family Stone, some of them are on drugs some of the some time. Some of them are on drugs. You're right. And that's, and the parents are poor. okay. The parents Already. are okay with it. Yeah, I know. Um, yeah, like people being shitty to each other just because. But I, I, I enjoyed the movie because I didn't know. I didn't expect it. Um, mm -hmm. uh, anything to happen. But it definitely is a weird pill to swallow and just be okay with a lot of weird things happening. Yeah. I sent you a text um, as you were watching this movie. Like I wanted you to mark the points when you realized what type of movie this was. And so we're going to talk about this, but I wanted, I want to know when you realized, okay, this is a rom-com when you realized, Oh no, this is like a death movie. When you realized it's a Christmas switch movie. Ooh, um, this movie is so many things. It is. Uh, and it's so special to me. I love that they, I want to hear about that. And I have a hunch and I'll give it to you in a second. <laughs> um, yeah. So it starts out where it is kind of like, like a get to know the family kind of movie. And it's, that's the central, that's going to be the central kind of thing, uh, that you think is going to happen, uh, is that she's this weird uppity, on the spectrum kind of person who, who is just like 
clashing at every corner at every opportunity. And it's just going to be like a meet the Fockers, meet the parents kind of a thing. Mm -hmm. Um, But then as soon as that shot happens where Luke Wilson looks up the stairs and sees Sarah Jessica Parker coming down, I was like, "Uh oh, oh, it's one of those movies. Oh, no. (laughs) And then it's like, what secret is mom keeping? What's wrong with mom? Has she been like cheating on dad and dad knows about it? Uh, or all this stuff. It's like, oh no, it's a death movie. Okay, okay. Uh, if we yeah. if we talk about this any further, it's going to get so confusing until we do the plot description. So I may move that up in the list, and may you do make you do that first thing. But before we do anything, this is the Uncultured Cinematic Universe. I am back from my little Thanksgiving hiatus. That's right. Justin, how was Interstellar? Interstellar? I had so much fun listening. Good, I know. Um, uh, first, and also thank you for sending over your little video snippet. Uh, again, Haddison stitches from um, beyond the black hole. Yes, <laughs> yeah, where everything's totally fine. Um, that one was fun. Uh, I love reviewing and doing movies uh, with Ryan. Um, they're great because there's so many like good deep hits that she hasn't seen. Yeah, um, and this one is one of those where. I almost put this in the bucket of like, you don't need to go back and watch it again because like one and done, it's pretty good. Um, It is so emotionally devastating. You don't need to go back and do it again. However, I feel like it was important for her to watch this because we are parents Mm. and there's so many good, deep things that are said and like themes that, that pop up. Uh, It made for a good discussion and it just made for a good, uh, uh, you know, kind of recalibrator of just like, oh man, if I could time travel to spend more time with my kid, I totally would. Um, I, and I love that you guys really dove into like the parental themes of Interstellar. Um, but when it came down to like the ultimate question of like, what would you do in this situation? You were both immediately like, no, we'd, we'd stay on earth. Are you kidding me? <laughs> yeah. Like, we oh, wouldn't leave the kids. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> but I mean, you know, there's a whole other discussion about that and it's in the episode go back and listen to episode 31 Hmm. on interstellar uh where we talk about that i know we're we're in our 30s we're in our early 30s (laughs) we we've switched it up now so now i'm going to be the the one to introduce every mini series with my episode and then you'll end every mini series we've we've flipped the coin finally yes um you got it on me yeah. So, um, so yeah, we are we are in uh, firmly in Christmas season, and I'm glad that you took the reins for this one to kind of really just set the bar for Christmas season. You know, yeah, like uh, yeah. nothing is sacred uh, except for family, and even then, you know, it's it's still kind of wishy washy. This one of my first notes is this is a movie about love and total bitches. Um, so <laughs> I'm really happy to talk about it. The um, only note I have for this movie Uh because i'm just going to go off the cuff and that's what i usually do for episodes uh the only note i wrote down almost everyone in this movie is insufferable (laughs) (laughs) except for coach dad and dad Mm, mm, those are the all-stars and who kind of ground the movie everyone else is just like the worst <laughs> this will kind of come up in the end games that i have planned but i have thoughts on coach dad uh that i will agree with but coach dad i've maybe watched too much parenthood where he's one of the central characters craig mm. t nelson yeah, yeah, yeah. and something about him as like the patriarch of the family i i, I don't love it he, he's kind of too self-righteous anyway 
Yeah. Why don't we get into the plot description so listeners can have a, an idea what we're talking about? Yeah. Um, I'll give you a minute to describe what the hell's happening in the family stone. Mm-hmm. Don't sure. get caught up in the minutia. You better sprint towards the end the whole time. I'm going to get out of the, the opening scene in seconds. Yeah. <laughs> you better be 30 minutes in in five seconds. Okay. Yep. Um, One minute starting now. The family stone centers around the stone family. Uh, Dermot, I can't remember his name, but Everett is bringing his uh, girlfriend uh, lover to meet his family for the first time for Christmas, Sarah Jessica Parker. And she is rough to get along with you guys. She says the wrong thing, almost like from the outset throughout like the whole first 12 hours. Uh, It culminates in like racist shit some gay bigot shit and it's like it's she's the worst person in the world and you're siding with the family but also they're pretty terrible too mom's hiding a secret she's secretly dying of cancer but she doesn't want to tell the kids because it's her last christmas oh no uh but then luke wilson sees uh sarah jessica parker and is like i want some of that and then uh everett sees her sister and he's like i want some of that so then they do the old switcheroo uh big misunderstanding but then everyone's just okay with it uh they don't get married uh, but then they just swap partners and it's no big deal. And then uh, Diane Keaton dies at the end. And it's very sad. The end. You did it. <laughs> that's that's essentially the movie. Yeah. Um, in a nutshell. <laughs> yeah. Let's 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 Jump get right into in. this. What did you know about this movie going into it? First of all, hold on. I want to go back up to the top. So I mentioned that a couple episodes ago. When we do the trailers, I'm not doing a, a rip straight from YouTube. Mm-hmm. I'm just grabbing clips, and I'm doing a, a, a I'm doing the soundtrack myself. Mm-hmm. So I, the only thing I could come up with, I was like, what song lends itself well to this movie? And I couldn't think of a song specifically, but I was like, it's Fleetwood Mac, and it's something from Rumors. Uh, so it has to be the Chain, um, Joe, big big. Uh, uh, shout out to Joe for being a huge Fleetwood Mac nerd. Hell yeah. So I did that. that and rocks. So I knew that Joe would love it. And I was like, I just gonna, I'm going to do the intro and I'm going to make it like a dramatic cut and then do the outro. Cause that outro fucking rules. I mean, um, it, it fits this movie so well because there are such wild swings between like slapstick comedy and like heartfelt emotion and sadness. Yeah. Um, and then it's just about just like, people cheating on each other and breaking each other's hearts and then just living together and still making music or whatever it is, whatever parallels you want to draw to that fucking album. But I want to, I want to make it clear. It is okay for you to not like this movie. I, I, we said it from the start. This movie is divisive. One of my big thoughts towards the end here is like, I don't know why I love this movie and I really want to explore why I know Um, why you love this movie. (laughs) And I'll tell you right now, I'm just going to jump into, into that. Uh, So like five minutes in, the family starts arriving, you know, Thad and Patrick show up and then all the other siblings and stuff. And I was like, or Ryan said this, she goes, is this what it's like? Is this what it's like at at Joe's house during Christmas when just all the all 19 kids show up with their partners and just showing up? I was like, I bet you that's why Joe likes this movie. It feels like home. Listen, you're not wrong. Yeah. Um It is very humbling to see uh, this family portrayed as like a really close knit family 
and then you realize oh they're maybe just like kind of codependent on each other and very resistant to change and so they hate any outsiders and they think that they're the best here's where i'm gonna just jab my knife right into that that argument um they don't hate outsiders they just hate maybe that's a strong word they just hate sarah jessica parker because she is the worst she is the literal worst uh right out the gate she is stiff you can tell she's not going to fit in and um she says the wrong things and it's so grown worthy all the things that she says is just like oh girl you gotta stop you need to shut your mouth it's it is classically someone who just like doesn't know when to stop talking and so she kind of like nervously talks and obviously like there's the the climactic dinner scene in this movie that is so horrific uh where they bring up like gay kids um and she obviously says the wrong thing i love that over and over and she doubles down (laughs) yeah she she says something along the lines of oh why would you want to have gay kids and you can you can almost see that her heart's in the right place uh with in terms of like um not wanting uh your kids to like face burdens that they shouldn't have to right and then she just does not know how to dig her way out of that hole and the the family completely eats her alive and as they should what what my thesis is about this movie though is that everett is kind of um the villain here yeah Uh, and i want to know your thoughts on this because he he fucking sucks dude he he leaves her to the wolves like from the get-go start yeah he is not which i mean it makes sense uh uh she is a terrible person not really (laughs) worth defending so i get his hesitation to be like oh man you guys need to back off on her he only does that out of like owns his own self-preservation you know he's like Mm -hmm. think about how i feel you know like you need to back off of her but it's like it's bringing it back to him um she's not worth defending he should not have brought her home uh he should have dumped her at uh, hong kong or whatever she's the worst but also he he too is the worst because he immediately fawns over her much taller sister <laughs> seconds from seeing her. Yeah, you you really wonder like how Claire Danes and Sarah Jessica Parker are sisters in this movie, but you can kind of see a dynamic where like okay, Sarah Jessica Parker has to be like the overachieving one and she doesn't really know how to relate to people and so she thinks that like being a good businesswoman or being a, a a woman of the city is enough to impress people. She takes Amy out to the best restaurant that she knows. Um, and, and Amy's and like, fuck you doing? <laughs> it's it's not enough because she doesn't know how to like be a, a, a person around these people. She's an alien in this movie. Yeah, she can't and relate to them in any capacity. She, yeah. And she has a bit of an arc in this movie. I actually think Sarah Jessica Parker is great in this. Um, but you you see towards the end where she kind of starts to stand up for herself. She kind of actually gets more and more annoyed with the family and like stops trying to please them. And that's where you can see like they kind of start to like her more. Um, yeah, we're like, yes, like, that's what we want. You're being authentic. <laughs> finally loosening up and like, uh, I love this is such like a, a tidbit, but I love how her hair tells a story in this movie. When it's where, up and so tight. Oh, my God. It's pulled back 80 feet beyond her head. Uh, yeah. And like 
it's like it's like the 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 facelift in Mrs. Doubtfire when he has like the strings on. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then as you go through the movie, through some series of hijinks, the bun becomes a little messier. Then it's like fully down. And then in the flash forward sequence at the end, oh, we're yeah. we're all great. Everyone's got amazing hair. Everyone looks amazing. <laughs> Diane yeah. Keaton's dead. Um, <laughs> yeah. May she rest in pieces um yeah crazy crazy stuff so like as soon as claire danes's character comes in though the family's like oh you can automatically tell this person has their shoulders relaxed Mm -hmm. and they're just easier to get along with because she comes in and they're like crowded around her when because she hurt herself falling off of the fucking bus like a dope um and she's just like easily getting along with and then when um there was one scene where uh, uh, Everett comes in and he's like, I need to go find her. And she's like, I'll come with you. But she's like snuggling with the 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 nephew or the, the niece. Yeah. And it's like she's a part of the family the whole time. Like you can tell that she knows she is a normal person who knows how to act. She's in this a scenario. normal person. Yeah. Her relationship with Everett we'll get into. That's a whole other thing. But like Sarah Jessica Parker's Meredith character clearly doesn't know how to act in this scenario but the family kind of punishes her for that instead of trying to, at the very least, like extend the hand and meet her halfway because Rachel McAdams is like poisoning them towards her <laughs> before she even walks into the door. Um, that is so true. It's ultimately a, a family that is so impenetrable, but really, I'm not going to say thinks highly of themselves, but it, it is, it is considered very much, uh, a good thing to be in the good graces of the stone family uh, Absolutely, I feel, yeah. in this movie world. Yeah. Cause like, uh, uh, I can't remember the actor's name, but like Mark Brandanowitz, um, yeah. is a great character mm. in this. And he just effortlessly gets along with the family. I mean, obviously there's Brad. history there, Brad, that's right. Obviously he gets along with the family cause there's history and you know, he, he popped Amy's cherry, all that kind of stuff. <laughs> Oh man, I should have done a cherry beverage. That would have been funny. Well, uh, stay tuned. Missed opportunity. Okay, good. <laughs> Perfect. Um, but yeah, I think they aren't unnecessarily mean to her. I think that is a family that is tight knit, obviously. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe a little bit of codependence there, maybe a little bit of resistance to change, sure. But I think um, they see a weakness. Mm-hmm. And they try to exploit it and poke it, but in like a fun, silly kind of way. Uh, they, yeah, they very, you can tell they very much don't like phoniness or like any form of like emotional dishonesty. Like you can tell whenever it comes in and at the beginning of the movie and he's like this big manhattan business guy they're like this isn't you like loosen your tie what are you doing Mm -hmm. Uh, and you can tell that they see her as kind of like one of the reasons he's like that like why have you changed our everett our perfect boy yes um and they can also sense like piranhas that she is so uncomfortable and projecting like this steel wall defense in front of her where again like she doesn't know how to show her full self, maybe because she doesn't even know her full self. Um, and so they are drawn to that uh, and can't help but attack um, because you can, this family is so close with each other and they're so comfortable with just like being comfortable with mm-hmm. each other that anyone who's uncomfortable 
it they they stick out immediately. And they call it out because they're so comfortable with it and just being like, what's your problem? Why'd you make yeah. that face? Why are you going to say that? Like, why would you say that? What are you, what are you trying to say? Like, I, I get that. Like, what else? What, what are the other kind of options as a family unit? Like, I guess that's hard to speak to, but like, mm-hmm. if you're in that position, like, do you just go along with this weird robot woman and just like wait till Christmas to be over and just be like, oh, thank God she's, she's gone. Uh, or do you, or do you just like nestle in the comfort of the family and be like, what's your problem? <laughs> you should it's- loosen up. It's funny. Jonathan can't watch this movie because it stresses him out so much. And he was kind of like walking in and out as I was watching this. And I kind of joked that like, oh, does he ever feel like the Meredith of, uh, you know, life? Uh, Because he has had multiple Christmases at this point with my family. My family's like huge, of course. Um, And uh, I immediately thought about how stupid that was right after I said it, because his uh strategy when meeting my family is not to be like awkward or uh like holding back he will instead try to win that scenario Mm -hmm. and win over every single person in the family like it's his mission from god and so he is essentially (laughs) polar the polar opposite of the uh family stone in completely the other direction and so i want to see what that movie is like where like the stones end up liking meredith more than everett uh in a way Oh, and then they kick him out of the family. Or yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah that'd yeah. be fun. Uh, I was going to say, yeah, it's impossible to think of of Jonathan in that situation because he's so likable and, and delightful. Yeah. There's no way. So you know, he his his default setting is small talk. So he he he'd be very comfortable yeah, with this. Crush crushes it at at family functions. Yeah, he'd also uh, try to like fuck with them and like uh, unwind their little family dynamics. Uh, yeah. in small ways. And and the stones would eat that up. You know what I mean? <laughs> um, yeah, I think you guys for your, uh, uh, you should do a Murphy family Christmas card and just make it after the poster of the family stone. Yeah. You know, the family Murphy and all of us just like incredibly photoshopped against a white background. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. The family Murph. Um, this movie, I, I had fun with it because it is I like that it's a contained story, mm-hmm. uh, but that is also its undoing. Um because it takes place over the course of a day and a half and then a flash mm-hmm. forward. Um, yeah, it's insane. It's so fast. It happens so fast. Um, but it's, it's wild to see that like, it's this one wild night or whatever, you know, a couple days or something like that of just like pure uncomfortable stuff happening. And then just like partner swap, baby. Yeah, we've we've covered rom-coms in the past on this show. We've covered uh, When Harry Met Sally, which, like you're saying, like more uh, realistically takes place over the course of like a relationship over years. Right. Whereas this literally is like 36 crazy hours. Um, And I love that this is a movie that can chalk it up to just like, hey, everyone gets crazy over the holidays. Like anything can happen. Too much eggnog, (laughs) you know. Christmas Cupid is biting everyone. Um, you, know, you take one too many uh, knockbacks of uh, Dos Equis at a bar, and then you are just in love with uh, the other Wilson brother. <laughs> the other Wilson brother, who looks is a famous movie. Is a famous Luke. He's a, he, my thoughts on Luke Wilson. Uh, yeah. He's, I don't know. He's obviously like kind of the black sheep a little bit of the family. Um, I mean, there's a third Wilson brother who 
we don't even really oh, see that much. Oh, not that family. The the Stone family. <laughs> <laughs> Different family. <laughs> oh yeah, there's Owen and uh, Luke and. Uh, there's a third one. Is it a, I, I can't remember what his name is though. Chris. There's always a Chris. Zach. Yeah. Zach Wilson. <laughs> Are you thinking of the Hanson brothers? <laughs> um, he's kind of the black sheep of the Stone family because he's kind of he's got like this shaggy air to him. Uh, he dresses like Shaggy. Uh, he smokes pot, and he's just like super relaxed and like aloof. He's kind of the most normal one, though, in a way. Like he's he's the most accepting of Meredith, like from the get go, and you can kind of tell like he sees her more than anyone else does. Which you know, spoiler alert, they end up together at the end of the movie. I think they're wrong um, for each other. I don't get it. <laughs> I don't get the attraction, and I don't get the attraction between Everett and uh, Claire Danes. Well, let me. Let me skip ahead to like my big thoughts on this movie. We're going all over the place in this episode. I apologize. Um, I, I I list out some big thoughts for every episode that I have um, kind of like the thesis here. Uh, this is a movie about chemistry um, and both as a family and as a couple and how hard chemistry is to fake it if you don't naturally have it. And so mm. I think as a family, this cast has a lot of good chemistry. Like these, these roles feel very lived in. Yep. These like sibling and parental dynamics feel very real. I like um, that, yes. Maybe on the couple side of things, it's a little bit more so, so because you get like Meredith and Everett who have no chemistry. They're from different universes, but they're kind of supposed to have no chemistry because like you're supposed, you're not really supposed to be rooting for them. Absolutely not. Yeah. You get, Meredith and uh, what's his name? Ben, Luke Wilson, who is the brother. Maybe you have a little bit more chemistry there because like they're not like total freaks. But again, like the time uh, thing is a little bit insane. Yeah. Um, And then you get Everett and Julie, who is Claire Danes, Meredith's sister who comes in and their relationship is insane because yeah. you can tell that they're supposed to fall in love essentially on first sight. Same when with Luke Everett Wilson. and Meredith are still officially dating, like yeah. they are smitten with mm -hmm. each other. Mm -hmm. And so weirdly, I think the maybe not weirdly, but like I think the the couple with the best chemistry is actually the parents here. Um, so you have mm -hmm. like Diane Keaton and Craig T. Nelson, um, and they kind of have this parental dynamic where she's a little bit more free spirited bohemian. He's a little bit more laid back and quiet, um, but they are they're a united front uh, and they have these like really sweet, like emotional moments too. Cause obviously like in the background of this movie, Diane Keaton's character, Sybil has breast cancer that has come back. Uh, and the through line is like slowly all of the siblings kind of realizing that it's coming back. And this is maybe their last Christmas with each other. Yeah. And then once you realize that you have to ask yourself, like how many of the crazy actions and the crazy emotions going around in this movie are because of that and how much of that is justified then because hey mom knows that she's dying we all know that mom's dying this intruder is trying to like come in on our family um now all of our heckles are raised and stuff like a thousand percent more than they usually would be um does it make more sense now that you have all of the information no <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> disagree. Um, because, th- like you said, they kind of find out uh, little by little each of the mm-hmm. fam- uh, each of the siblings, kind of a thing. Um, but like from the outset, the most hardest, heinous hitting shit uh, kind of happens before they all find out, mm-hmm. right? Um, so I don't think it fuels the fire. Um, maybe subconsciously from the 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 parents point of view mm-hmm. um they're kind of uh you know putting out that outward aura because she knows or sybil knows that like this is my last christmas you know maybe i'm going to be a little more protective of my of my son he wants he wants my mother's ring i know he's coming after it uh and nope you can't marry this woman because she sucks um you know so i i get that kind of thing but uh i don't think it influences or influences their uh uh, uh, like poking, prodding, defensiveness of the family. There's it definitely least, heightens it, but right, everything later. feels heightened because everyone kind of senses like the stakes are a little higher this year. Um, and there's actually there's like a really emotional scene that Everett has. Like, despite how much I hate him, like he has this really emotional scene with Diane Keaton where. He's been asking for the ring. He wants to marry Meredith. No one really understands why. Meredith doesn't even understand why. Like, why do you want to marry me? Uh, And then Diane Keaton is like, I'm sick. And like, it's not going to get better even if you get married. Uh, And then he just like totally breaks down. So you can see like everyone has been like on the prowl because this is maybe Sybil's last Christmas and we're not letting Meredith in. Everett is kind of working in the other direction, but for the same reason, like this is Sybil's last Christmas. Maybe if I get married, I'll cure cancer. Uh, but he didn't know that. Well, maybe there's, that's always I, kind of in the back of your mind. I think people know that like she, she's had breast cancer in the, in the past, past and sure. it's maybe like always on the, the horizon a little sure. bit. Sure. Yeah. That, that, okay. So I, that can make sense, but knowing that like, this is mom's last Christmas, you know, berate this person with impunity is is not (laughs) i don't think that is the driving thing i think it is their um familial connectedness Mm -hmm. that makes them uh just who they are and i think it is both great and again it is their downfall of just not doing their best job at like what is your problem right now why are you what's going on right now how can we help you relax obviously you're strong you're high strung right now what can mm-hmm. we do? To, like that would be the right answer, I think, as a family unit. Yeah, this it the movie kind of shows two ends of the spectrum in terms of like here's a person who's like way too high strung, but then here are people who are way too comfortable with each other, and because of their individual areas, they cannot meet in the middle and they don't understand each other. But um, again, it's only been twenty four hours since they met her, so it's like <laughs> give it some time, folks. <laughs> Um, okay. So what are some thoughts you had going through this movie? So you said that when the second Luke Wilson sees Meredith, you sensed like some shenanigans are afoot. Did you realize that it was going to be, wait for it, a double switch that happens once Claire Danes comes into the play? When she mentions that her sister's coming, I was like, oh, okay. There's someone for him now. Uh, and they have a similar kind of reaction. As soon as she gets off the bus, he's like, oh, my God, that is the, <laughs> that is the lady for me. 
Um, and I want to talk about this before it escapes my brain again. The ending, and then I'll circle back. Uh, the the ending where she gets on the bus, uh, and he's like, "Stay, like let's let's make out a little bit," because um, you know, like I'm not I'm not with her anymore. It's, it's no big it's deal. So as far as Claire Danes knows, he is with her though. Yeah, yeah. Like imagine, yeah, insane, right? Um, but then the bus pulls away, and then the bus stops, <laughs> and he runs after the bus, and she's there, and then she's just like. What are you what are you doing for New Year's? Uh and then he, he comes back. It is the exact same ending of Cameron Diaz and Jude Law in the holiday. <laughs> but, but mixed I... also but mixed also with um uh, uh Jack Black and Kate Winslet's kind of thing of just like what are you doing for New Year's Eve? Running through the snow. They they just ripped that. Or I can't remember which movie came first. The holiday, I think, was 2006. This one's 2005. So Ooh, maybe came the, first. The holiday I, is... I've, I've seen the holiday once. Explain explain your reasoning here. Who who ends up with who at the end of the holiday? It's it's just the same. Uh, it, it's not like direct parallels. It's just the same kind of shots and the same kind of things are said. Mm. Um, mm. Cameron Diaz is like driving away in a car, but then she tells the driver to stop. And then she runs back to Jude Law and then they make out. Um, yeah. And then, like, Jack Black and Kate Winslet's character, like, are kind of falling in love with each other. And then he's like, hey, what are you doing for New Year's? And she's like, I'll be here. No worries. Uh, and they just end up together. So it's kind of the same sort of thing. But it is, like, couple for couple kind of a stuff. Okay. Pin. Done with that. Going back. Um, <laughs> yeah. I knew it was a shenanigans were afoot. Luke Wilson sees Sarah Jessica Parker walking down the stairs. And I'm like, oh, no, no. They're so not right for each other. I don't see any bit of chemistry there between them other yeah. than just like him treating her like a person, like a normal person and her getting drunk and the breaking the walls down. So like, I don't think that's a good catalyst for, for creating chemistry. The, uh, the movie tries to justify both couples very quickly and you can see like where the groundwork is. It's like, you're saying like, Luke Wilson is very laid back. He balances out her high struggedness um, and like he takes her out to a bar and she she kind of lets her freak flag fly a little bit. Yeah. Them uh, then proceeding to like sleep together, but not sleep together, sleep next to each other at that point. She's so clearly comfortable around him makes no sense at all. She would be freaking out in this scenario if that were the case. Um, yeah, they were like maybe nine, it's the pot. They were like nine, ten beers deep and then they smoke a J and pass mm. out in the car and then later go home um, and, and sleep uh, next to each other. But then like uh, uh, the chemistry forced chemistry between uh, Everett and Julie is again, it's just like one conversation that they have yeah. while they're, they should be looking for Meredith, but they're just casually walking down the street where no one lives. There's like, no cars about, there's no people walking around. This town is a simulation um, yes. from Black Mirror. But yeah, like you, you can see what the writers are doing in terms of like scrambling together and being like, hey, we got 24 hours to make these characters fall in love with each other. Like what are their motivations go? Everett <laughs> is really trying to break out of like the corporate world. Julie represents this like artsy girl who's kind of traveling um, They're their foundations of their characters are established, like you're saying, over the course of like two conversations. And so we're supposed to believe like 
immediate chemistry. They're both hotties, so maybe that's enough. Um, and uh, maybe they will get together in five days on New Year's. Um, I don't think he knows where she lives, though. Who who lives what? Who who doesn't know where who lives? <laughs> I don't think Everett knows where Meredith's sister lives. <laughs> oh, right, right. Yeah, it is said off camera. She's like, I'm going back to Bedford, uh, yeah. Connecticut. But um, they, yeah. they, they know they nothing know so about each other. About each other. Everett and Meredith are the kind of couple where it's like, do they know each other's middle names? We don't know. They've been together maybe less than a year and he's like trying to force an engagement. It's insane. So, I mean, these relationships are founded on insane choices. Maybe maybe these these kids will work out in the end because we I, see a year later, they're clearly thriving. They're all thriving. I wanted to see like, I was like, who's pregnant? Who's married? Who's engaged? They didn't go that deep. You know, who's got little Sybil Jr.? You know, for mom, oh, you know the uh, the the older sister has has a little little baby, and then oh, the that's right. the Thad and uh, his husband have a little baby too. That's right. Yeah, yeah. yeah. The, but they with, don't matter. They're they're the side characters. Yeah, with death comes new life. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah, that was my thing too. It's like, um, everyone had to be put into this pot and forced together to break down walls and show each other's flaws and all this kind of stuff. And Sybil's mom had to die for everyone to get together. So mm-hmm. it's it's sad, but uh, you know it, it it's it's it all works out in the end. It is really sad. This is a secret switch rom com. This is a secret death rom com. Um, one of my another one of my big thoughts. Again, this movie is objectively bad. It was criticized for it's like insane tonal shifts because you'll have like moments of comedy. And then in the very next scene, it's like this kind of very sad music, very slow dramatic moment as one of the siblings realizes, Oh, the mom is dying. Um, and we only have so much little time left with her. Um, and so you, you can kind of surf the waves of that maybe a little smoother if you have more time. I don't know. Um, I love it in a way. <laughs> It, it kind of just makes me think of like, God, the magic of cinema. We can have this insane story up on the screen uh, that clearly takes place in another universe where people act like this. I think um, given given the cast, um, mm-hmm. it has to be l- not even largely, but you know, a good chunk of it should be comedic um, mm-hmm. just because there's such um, recognizable faces and some have more swings with comedy than others. Um, so it would play to that, but like, yeah, the, the big, the big tonal shift over of like, I have breast cancer again and I'm dying and here's my scars and let's make out in bed. And like, it's, it's like, oh my God, this is kind of heartbreaking. If it was just that, like a family drama drama, uh, I don't think it would have been, obviously it wouldn't have been as enjoyable. No, no. I mean, the, the funny parts of this movie are hilarious. I laughed out loud. I always laugh out loud several times during this movie. Obviously, Claire Danes falling off the bus is such a random moment of like slapstick that it always gets me. Um, all of the incredibly awkward Meredith moments where she's like whisking so hard that her whisk is going to go to the center of the earth. Like, and then she realizes that Everett is allergic to mushrooms and she didn't know. And she like screams at him. <laughs> Um, I saw I yeah as soon as she says that line I was like I bet that's one of Joe's favorites. <laughs> like, uh, I didn't know. 
it's so good. there's like there, there's a through line in this movie of her making this like this dish that is strata is that what it is did you know what she was making i had no idea but i know that it had like a hundred eggs in it it's so like eggy and vegetable and she's making it for Christmas morning and everyone's like, OK, and it's such it a perfect year. arc because at the very end of the movie, when all the truth comes out and everyone's all over the place, she escapes to the kitchen and she's like, I'm going to find some normalcy. I'm going to I'm going to keep making this strata. I'm going to get it out of the fridge and it splatters all over her. It represents like she has hit rock bottom and you can tell that's when the family actually starts to connect with her because it's right after the really beautiful picture moment that I always uh, rewind and watch again, like huge emotion followed by huge comedy. Yeah. Um, and so you have this one, two punch of like it's Christmas morning. She gives everyone a picture of Diane Keaton when she was younger and she kind of thinks of it as like, oh, this is like a standard Christmas present. Um, I should give this to everyone because it was on Everett's desk and it, this seems like the right thing to do. And everyone is like so deeply emotionally touched by that because they realize like she had these Christmas presents the whole time. Like this was in her the whole time. And we've been so bitchy to her. And so and also to uh, the realization that all the family has of just like, oh, my God, mom's dying. Yeah, uh, this yes. is so pertinent and poignant right now. And she's just like, I just got you a nice picture. Beep, boop. I'm going to go off to. The she doesn't picture. even realize. Yeah, she doesn't even and realize then, what she did. And then it becomes like pure slapstick. They're chasing each other around the house. The Amy and uh, Meredith and Sybil are all literally following, falling over each other in the kitchen. They're laughing. And then um, it, it kind of comes to a head when Everett realizes like he doesn't even love Meredith. And then he runs after her sister. Uh, which and is everyone's totally okay fine with it. And a normal totally thing to fine. do. And Meredith goes and washes her hair and uh, gets in bed with his brother. With her egg shirt still fucking on. Like, gross. Oh my God, that shirt gets so disgusting over the course of this movie. There's so much shit on it. And she's still wearing it. Like, yeah. gross. Put she's, on a sl- put on t shirt. She's learning to let loose. The hair is down. The bun is no more. Never to be seen again. Why she not wear a gross shirt? She packed so many clothes to come to Mm -hmm. this 24-hour Christmas extravaganza. Put Mm. on a different top. Can we just... Sorry, like, we're going so out of order. I'm going to tell you, like, the movie stats, but can we just talk about this house real quick? We've covered Nancy Myers and Nora Ephron movies. Like, we talked about uh, The Parent Trap. We talked about um, Harry and Sally, When Harry Met Sally. And how like the set design always feels like so lived in. I think that also shows up in this movie in a way and it contributes 100%. to the story. I love it when like the set uh, is helping to tell the story just as much as the actors and the script is. So like this house feels, first of all, huge. Um, this is a great house. I would steal it. Yep. Um, second of all, like it feels like they have lived there for 30 years. Like you can see like random ass, like family mementos on the wall. Like the, the set decoration is top notch in this. Yeah. It was, that was the right choice to have a fully relaxed lived in family, have a house mm-hmm. that's like that because I kept looking in the backgrounds of like, Oh, that's really neat. There's a bunch of weird shit over there. It feels um, not like put together or staged. It just feels like they're just filming in a house. Mm-hmm. Um, again, like you said, that this family's lived in for 30 plus years, probably. And, I, you know, it's it's the same big house feel of like uh, Home Alone, 
mm-hmm. kind of a thing. There's mm-hmm. like a hundred rooms. All the kids have their own room. Um, but yeah, they've been there for so long and it's been a while since they've been, they've been back to their own room. Um, you know, they're, they're like hitting their heads on the ceilings. I thought that was a nice touch. It was low ceilings, that kind of stuff. Um, it just felt like not drab, but like, it was like warm tones. Cozy. Cozy was, was exactly the vibe. And that's the family. The family is cozy and relaxed and, uh, just comfortable. I, I listened to another podcast called This Had Oscar Buzz. I can't remember if I brought it up on this one before, mm-hmm. but it's essentially it, it is a podcast where it talks about movies that people thought might be in the running for an Oscar uh, nomination. Was but this it ultimately one? Didn't. Well, uh, listen, uh, it ultimately like didn't happen. And weirdly, they, they did an episode on the Family Stone and. You'd think like with such a stacked cast, like maybe Sarah Jessica Parker was being talked about. She gets like a Golden Globe uh, nomination. Diane Keaton has like the emotional arc in this. But they they also talked about like the craft categories for this um, this movie, too. So you get um, like production design Oscars. You get like hair and makeup Oscars. You get costuming Oscars. And you think about this movie like it's small. It's never going to be nominated for any of those things. But all of those things help to tell the story in a way. We talk about like the hair in this movie and how like it it really draws the line between like strict business Meredith and this laid back stone family and how that evolves over the movie. The same thing is happening with the costume. She literally walks into the house wearing heels and a business suit and everyone else is wearing like sweatpants and these really large (laughs) chunky sweaters. Yeah. Um, and again, like the the production design, each this this whole large set of this house that we're living in feels so realistic and lived in. It's like you the the house has chemistry just as much as the the cast has chemistry with each other. The house is a character in and of itself for sure. Mm. Um Rachel McAdams' hair is uh t- top tier. Her mm. hair is immaculate in this like movie. her her coming in with the laundry and the NPR tote bag should have won an Oscar on its own. Yeah. Like, it's like, incredible. Oh, you can tell she's the, she's the, the, the sibling, probably the younger sibling who doesn't quite have it all together. She's and, the baby of the family, but she's not afraid to be a little sassy and tell it like it is. Yeah. I, I like, uh, I wish each character kind of got a little bit more of their own kind of introduction, kind of like that, or a little bit more background. The one that I got the least uh, from was I think maybe the middle kid. Um, Susanna. Um, I think she's the oldest. She's um, the oldest girl. So yeah, I don't, I don't know where the, the lineup is here. Didn't get too much from her other than that. Like she has a husband and a baby on the way and he'll be here Christmas morning. And like, that's kind of it. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, uh, same kind of with, uh, uh, Thad and, and Patrick, uh, other than just like, they're the gay couple and they're really cool and which, Okay back up let's go back here uh as soon as the the movie starts and it's kind of doing all this all its thing ryan mentions it's like oh i really like this because it is a diverse slice of life american um cast Mm -hmm. um you know you got gay representation uh black and deaf and i was like oh yeah you're right that that's like normal things to to talk about and show in 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 movies and tv in 2023, mm-hmm. 20, uh, 2005, like that must have been just enormously groundbreaking. 
It is kind of crazy. Yeah. And I, I, I like how they deal with it in the movie where like Sarah Jessica Parker comes in and like she kind of doesn't know what to do with any of that. Like she's like yelling at Thad because she thinks that talking louder will uh, help him to hear her better. And he's like, why is she yelling? <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God, it's the worst. And like that is the first of many cringe moments with her. And it's just like uh, you can tell she's not well versed she went to private school she went to like a private college and she doesn't know how to relate to people yeah um that's that's her ultimate downfall yeah that that is a flaw that this family will not accept and the penalty is death (laughs) um let me give you some film uh stats for this bad boy uh the family stone released in december of 2005 Hmm. christmas um directed by thomas bazucha um who directed a few more films but nothing major or huge that i had seen wow um starring uh in alphabetical order like the the poster does in a crazy way uh claire danes tyrone giordano diane keaton rachel mcadams dermot mulroney craig t nelson sarah jessica parker elizabeth reeser paul schneider Luke Wilson and Brian White. So, yeah, stacked cast. Stacked. Uh, to to use your words there, especially in 2005. Like these people were popping. This is Sarah Jessica Parker, like, I think in the uh, last season of of Sex in the City. Yeah. And so, a little behind the scenes, like she's trying to break away from that character and portray like a different type, which this definitely is. I've never actually seen a full episode of Sex in the City. What's your experience there? Uh, I've seen most of them and I saw like the first movie and most of the second one. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I can see how it is kind of a polar op sort of a polar opposite characteristically, but she's still like uh, a highfalutin woman from New York who wears, you know, uh, 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 fancy shoes and the, ba- and the, the nice clothes and stuff like mm-hmm. that. So it's just, it's like um, she took like a half step away from, uh, her sex in the city, uh, Carrie Bradshaw days. So, but yeah, like 20, 2005, she is flying high. You know, you got Diane Keaton still just streaming, um, shooting through the sky. Uh, Luke, Wil- Luke Wilson is kind of on the up and up as well. Rachel McAdams just had mean girls the year previous a year after mean girls. Yeah. Yeah. So like it, it was hard to, uh, to have a miss with, with this cast. Craig T. Nelson has the Incredibles this year, like big, oh, big yeah. stuff. Yeah, big stuff. Yeah, they got Disney Powerhouse, uh, the mouse backing them up. Everyone's um, rich as hell. <laughs> He's like, don't worry, dinner's on me tonight. I got that mouse money. <laughs> and Diane Keaton's like, what are you talking about? Um, <laughs> no, the, the cast is great. Um, like you said, they uh, uh, just wildly good chemistry. I wish I I, I kind of wish, you know, they would have gotten a little more noms, like you said. Um, yeah. Um, if we're talking about like uh, nominations and awards attention for this film, there was like some critical stuff. Sarah Jessica Parker got a Golden Globe nom for best actress in a musical or a comedy, which is I don't want to say that's like the joke category, but like a <laughs> lot of people shit on the comedy and musical categories of the Globe. Yeah, for sure. because they kind yeah. of don't mean anything. Yep. Um, but it's fun um good for her and yeah this movie made 92 million against a budget of 18 uh so 
bit of a hit. Yeah, I mean that was that was back in the days when a lot of people would go to the movies Christmas Day, yeah. and I imagine their Christmas Day sales numbers. Look at the analytics. We'll, we'll go through and we'll, we'll get uh, we'll get Tark to look at it, and I, I imagine their Christmas Day numbers were were big. Yeah, because it's a I mean, Christmas movie on Christmas Day. You're gonna you're gonna go see it. A Christmas rom-com that has the word family in the title, like you are printing your own money at that point. <laughs> Pretty much, yeah. And you know what? It is safe for the whole family. It's a PG-13. Um, there's h- hardly any kissing, if at all. Um, there's no penetration. Uh, there's, there's, <laughs> <laughs> there's no F words or anything like that thrown around. So like, it is, you bring the kids, bring them all. The the worst cursing is when Everett's trying to get the ring from Sybil to propose to Meredith, and she's like, "Tough shit." Yeah. Or she, uh, uh, or a little bit more accusatory at the dinner scene when she explodes on Meredith and says, "God damn you!" Yeah, yeah. A lot, so lot of swings in emotion in this family. The um the the dinner scene, I I draw parallels to the dinner scene in in uh, uh, Hereditary. So. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. like it's, explosions explosions madness happening i Tension. am your mother <laughs> wipe that fucking face off your face <laughs> i i would love to see a version of the family stone that's like rated r for hard language and you're going through the first hour of the movie and you're like why is this rated r and then there's like a five minute like avalanche of fucks during the dinner scene and then it goes to goes back to rom-com like they yeah. don't even say anything about it and then like the uh there there are sex scenes and it's <laughs> and it is 50 shades of gray and it is just like oh no <laughs> i wasn't no, expecting no, that no no, no. <laughs> mark brandanowitz in the back of the ambulance <laughs> <laughs> Mark Randernowitz, great guy in this. Um, He's so likable. This was like just before or during the first season of Parks and Rec? No, this is like first season of The Office. So Parks and Rec comes in like 2009-ish. He's still a nobody. Yeah, yeah, he's a a, a baby. He's popping up. Um, Let me kind of cover some last minute notes uh, and then we'll get into some end games. Uh, this is just notes as I'm watching the movie, the Rachel McAdams entrance. No one has ever been more stressed out or socially awkward than Sarah Jessica Parker in this movie. Um, this is about a family who sucks. This is like, (laughs) (laughs) this is a movie about who sleeps where on family vacations, uh, except the parents are cool. Um, so it's okay to sleep with your partner. Everyone's Um, 40. Like it's not a big deal. Yeah. (laughs) Um, no people have ever had less chemistry than Meredith and Everett. Um, <laughs> we're all going to be down here talking about you. Um, this is a movie about people who don't know how to tell a story. Uh, this is a movie about people who don't know how to play charades. Um, <laughs> uh, Meredith saying that she doesn't care that uh, Amy likes her and Amy just like taking a sip and being like, oh, of course you do. I've used that gif so many times oh, in so many situations. That's a good one. Um, Everett is the Andy Bernard gif where he's like every little boy dreams about his fairy tale wedding um, <laughs> because Everett's obsessed with getting married in this. Um, 
is it normal to buy a ring the day before you propose? No. <laughs> That's psycho behavior, right? That, that is psycho behavior. He is, um, like I said, he's the worst character in this entire movie. He's him, the villain. Him, like, asking Julie to try on the ring as if uh-uh. that makes any sense. He is shameless. I was half expecting him when he's, like, saying bye to Julie at her room or whatever at the end and she like goes to close the door i was half expecting him to like force his way in oh and it was going to be like oh it's so romantic but there's weird like, tension uh. there yeah it's just like oh this is almost getting uncomfortable but then he he goes away yeah so yeah. um how do you justin how does your family open uh christmas presents on christmas morning um we've tried several different methods but i think largely what we do is we go around in a circle so every uh usually my sister hands out hands out all the presents to everyone and everyone has a pile next to them and mm-hmm. then it's like mom goes dad goes sister like and we go in a circle that way you open one that's how you do that's it. the correct way to do that yeah yeah. Uh-huh. yeah so that everyone can appreciate um families that open all at once and no one knows what's happening uh should go to jail garbage garbage people <laughs> trash pandas yeah um okay give me some final thoughts on the movie and then i will introduce our end game here <sighs> great um i i didn't hate this movie i'm not in the other i'm uh i can see how this movie is divisive um but i wasn't divided by it um wow i don't know if it has high uh rewatchability maybe maybe um i'm gonna say mid mid to uh uh mid maybe (laughs) of of rewatchability we'll agree to disagree on that one (laughs) because of just like the uh the shock of just like oh my god she is the worst person in the world and she just cannot stop putting her foot in her mouth this is uncomfortable it's but a cringe comedy movie, yeah. It's very cringy comedy. Um, but like everyone looks good. Everyone looks good in this movie. Mm-hmm. Um, there's not a bad person to to set your eyes on. <laughs> and uh <laughs> hey man, you know. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um we're gonna watch this movie for Pride Week uh, <laughs> month next year. That's right. I mean, you know what? You can put this in, into the the buy category of movies of just like we, everybody can't get it. Let's um, talk about it. Uh, but yeah, um, ultimately has a wild uh, resolution. Mm-hmm. Everyone's just okay with weird shit happening. Of just like, yeah, man, you don't love her, and then wait, where are you going? You're going after her sister. You're not even gonna say. Okay. All right. It's every cliche Hallmark movie that everyone makes fun of. Uh, at the trying end, to be a serious movie. At the end, it gets shoehorned in of just like I must chase after her, all that kind of stuff. It, that part is is kind of like lame. Um, but uh, I, I think it was a good movie. I'm gonna give it. Um, I'm gonna give it seven out of ten. Um, uh, snowflake ornaments. Okay. Yeah. That's that's nice. Um. <laughs> We forgot to mention this is our second Christmas miniseries. So last year we, uh, you had Gremlins, and then I had a Christmas story. What, uh, what is your current like Christmas pantheon of movies? Like, what are the movies on rotation in your house during Christmas? Um, so obviously it's changed a little bit. Um, uh. With Since having the pandemic, a, the pandemic, you know, uh, the state of the world, that kind of thing. Uh, no, having a two-year-old 
um, <laughs> is is different. Um, we're slowly introducing her into some of the Christmas classics. We watch a bunch of Disney Plus in the morning of like Christmas specials, like Mickey Mouse and all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, she's not like uh, uh, doesn't have the patience or attention span for a full fledged movie. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, an hour and a half jaunt is not her bag she wants the the 20 minute 30 minute episodes of something and she's kids today and their screens (laughs) my child will not be an ipad goblin mark my words (laughs) um but yeah so like we haven't done um any any of the the class we might try like the classic grinch from like 63 the 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 cartoon. cartoon the cartoon or uh, the Jim Carrey. We're gonna do like a little experiment. We're gonna show all three iterations of of the Grinch, the Dr. Seuss from the '60s, the Jim Carrey from the 2000s, and then I think from two years ago or three years ago, like the DreamWorks Animation Studio came out with yep. Benedict Cumberbatch. Um, see what, which one vibes with her. I'm interested to see how she vibes with the Jim Carrey one because that movie and be terrifying is is incredible but also insane. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But she might like it. Who knows? Um, but like yeah. staples are uh, Peanuts and um, Garfield. Yeah, yeah just, just the classic stuff. Um, Do yeah. they have like Garfield cartoon Christmas specials? Mm-hmm. Yeah, we have the DVD of like, uh, I think it's Halloween, Thanksgiving and Christmas. And then we have like all of the holiday specials for Peanuts, um, mm. Charlie Brown and all that. So kid loves those. Those are great. Um but yeah, another one that is definitely on the list that I usually try to watch almost every year, if I can, is the movie that we're going to talk about in the next couple of weeks for our next episode. Mm. It's going. We'll be tease great. it. We'll tease it at the end. We'll tease yeah. it. At the what's end. on What's on your list, Joe? What do you always watch around the holidays? What do you have? To um, watch? I love this movie. Um, my family uh, likes Elf. We're a big Elf mm. family. Mm-hmm. We also there's like weird traditions that we have between like christmas and new year's where where we'll attempt to watch like all three extended editions of the lord of the rings yeah um around that time too and then like movies that are like deep in our childhood like randomly the last of the mohicans the daniel j lewis yeah yeah yeah. Uh uh-huh yeah yeah we'll we'll try and watch that too it's just i i don't know how that became a tradition it has nothing to do with christmas um but we'll we'll have to cover that one on this podcast. Have yeah, because I've never seen it before. Never saw it. Oh, it's a good one. Um, uh, I, I so do remember. Violent. I know. Oh, I bet. Uh, yeah, you guys were big into violent movies that like these kids shouldn't be watching these kind of historical epic violent movies. Yeah, it's fine. It really happened. It's fine. Yeah, if it's rooted in truth, like it's fine. Um. Uh. Yeah, like ones that I always loved uh, watching. Um. In, in years past that I'm eventually that we're eventually going to get back into is elf um, is uh, the, the holiday. Mm. Um, I love watching that one. Um, uh, Polar express. Mm. We, I think we tried showing her that one last year and she was just like, what? <laughs> that one's weird. Scary in a way. Yeah. Um, maybe we'll try that again this year. Um, she might, she might be into it, but mm-hmm. I, I always love that one. And then uh, the Grinch, of course. The Grinch, of course. You gonna you gonna sprinkle a little Muppets Christmas Carol on there? Yes, absolutely. Something. Definitely get that in there as well. Very um, nice. Yeah, gotta gotta ter- terrify the kid at the very end, you know, <laughs> with the ghost of Christmas past. Or yeah, 
future, future, future. The ghost of Christmas past is also kind of scary too. That's like the little floating candle child. Yeah. Yeah. Don't like it. I don't like any of them. Um, tell me, tell me, tell me a little bit about what you're drinking tonight. Ah, yes. Um, this was, I'll, I'll tell you how I came up with it. So the first thing that jumped into my mind was I want to make something with egg in it, with egg white specifically. So that's going to make it a sour. I wanted to make a sour beverage. Um, mm-hmm. Which also plays into some of the themes of just like bitterness, you know, the family kind of coming to a head. But also too, just like the these these couples, they're swingers. They're just swapping partners like it ain't no damn thing. You put goddamn pineapple in your drink, didn't you? I sure did. This is a <laughs> this is a swinger sour. Is what I'm calling it. Uh, it is uh, four ounces pineapple juice. One and a quarter ounce Campari, an ounce of vodka, half ounce of lemon juice, quarter ounce of maple syrup, and an egg white shaken, drip some bitters on top because they're they're all just bitter at each other, you know? And then orange and lemon, but like they're they're like swapped, they're sixty nining through a thing and um it's just wild. Uh, I don't yeah, need all the details, Justin. I'm just um, telling you. That sounds incredible and so layered. How does it taste? It's so good. Like I said at the top, like this is my one of probably one of my favorites that I've made. It's so right. um refreshing and, and bitter and delicious. We'll add it to the coffee table book that we will eventually publish. <laughs> oh my god, we should. Yeah. Um I've got uh a a little pink drink here that is uh about a third gin, quarter maraschino liqueur, a dash of lime juice. Top with some club soda, add a Luxardo cherry, and then a dash of cranberry juice for color because it looks like nothing if you don't do that. Uh, and I'm calling it the Christmas cherry uh, in honor of the cherry <laughs> Amy. that was popped in this movie. Yeah, it's good on you, Amy. <laughs> yeah, I went back and forth on that title because I was like, how sexual can this sound? I, I don't want it to be like full on like Amy's cherry. Um, <laughs> nope. Yeah, don't give any ownership to it. Just, just put Christ <laughs> in the title. <laughs> Chris Christ chair. back into Christmas chair. Yeah, that's right. Love it. Delicious beverages, by the way. That sounds delightful. It is nice. It is nice. Justin, are you ready to play a little game? I am. Why don't you kick us off? Here we go. Ladies and gentlemen, get on your feet. Get ready for Should They Go to Jail? That's right. Now give it up for your host, Joe Murphy. Eagle-eyed listeners and watchers will realize that that's the same video and soundtrack that we did (laughs) from our Parent Trap episode, but I added jingle bells and snow. Uh, That's right, folks. Everyone's favorite game show is back. Should they go to jail? Christmas Spirit Edition. Everyone in the family stone is guilty of something. But are they guilty enough to be tried and convicted as a danger to the public and be locked up? 
you are judge, jury, and executioner this week on Should They Go to Jail? Christmas Spirit Edition. Here are the rules. I'll say a character from the movie as well as what their most egregious crimes are. And you will tell me if they should be arrested and imprisoned immediately or if they should walk free. Do you got it? Got it. There's no winners or losers in this game except for the ones that go to the clink. Got it. It's just it's jail or no jail. Got it. Jail or no jail with your host, Howie Mandel. Um, It would. Here we go. Uh, I'm kind of ordering them in order of like less crime to more crime. You'll you'll see. Mm -hmm. Uh, First, we have Susanna. The oldest stone daughter actually seems perfectly normal and nice, but we don't get to know her that well. She might be hiding something. Should she go to jail just to be safe? Um, I think if the husband didn't show up at the end, um, I, I think maybe because it is kind of like, what's going on there? Like if he didn't show up, be like, oh, he got tied up at work. We'll see him next time. Like, oh, she definitely killed him. You know, or did she murder him? Or did she murder him? Um, I think she gets off scot free because by the saving grace that um that he shows up on Christmas morning. Wow. Okay. We're gonna have to examine that answer in therapy. Um. Okay. Next, Thad and Patrick, who I have lumped together, they are nice and cool and looking to adopt a baby, but. They choose to stay at the inn instead of staying at the massive, fabulous family house. Should they go to jail? Um, no. Uh, obviously, they're both affluent, wealthy, um, you know, gay couple. Like, don't stay in the house. Like, it's not bad. Did you see that inn? That place looks amazing. I bet yeah. they have fantastic brunch. Yes, they absolutely, they made the right choice here. Yeah, they make their own croissant in-house. Like, it's amazing. So they're, yeah, they get off. Nice, nice. All right, next we have Brad. Brad seems extremely nice to everyone in the film, but he gives Amy a large snow globe as a Christmas present and also doesn't bring a present for anyone else. Should he go to jail? Yeah, kind of stalkery vibes, right? Um and you know driving an ambulance is kind of like the perfect kind of cover he's he's hiding something uh Mm -hmm. they didn't show the back of the ambulance only he's kind of sitting in it um there's probably a body back there um yeah just to be safe let's 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 take let's take brandanowitz in okay five years minimum just to be safe all right just to be safe (laughs) i love it Next, we have Elizabeth. Elizabeth is Susanna's daughter, Mm. and she steals Meredith's expensive heels and breaks them five minutes after meeting her. Should she go to juvie? Yeah, she's she's eight years old or whatever, eight, maybe 10 at the most. Uh, She should know better. Like, don't take people's stuff. What's wrong with you? Go to jail. Yeah, we'll let the system reshape her into something productive. (laughs) All right. Next on our list of potential convicts, John. John is a blink-and-you-miss-it character. He is married to Susanna, uh, and he's absent for most of the movie. Is he a loving partner and father, or a scummy cheater? And most importantly, should he go to jail? Yeah, the the circumstances of his of him not being there, um, suspicious. That's weird. It's very suspicious. Like, when everybody else is there, like... What do you what do you doing that's so important? Did they say who is he? Did they say like who do you no. think you are, Mister? Yeah, no. 
lock him away. She's talking to him on the phone at one point, so he's got a cell phone. Late at night, like, and you say, uh, uh, side piece? Like, what's going on? Jail. Okay. Jail. Straight jail. All right. Moving on. Ben. Ben is maybe the most normal major character in the film, but he does openly flirt with his brother's girlfriend by telling her about a dream he had of her. And he smokes pot on screen. Should he go to jail? He's going to go to jail on a technicality of, uh, of, of carrying. Uh, he's always holding um, on his <laughs> some amount of weed. Uh, they're going to throw him to the wall for that. Uh, mm-hmm. Offenses that you brought up, I don't think they're as offensive because his dream was a dopey, like stoner dream, uh, harmless. Um, if he said that she was like a maid cleaning his fans or stuff, you know, that's, that's weird. Don't say that to a person you just met, but he's like, I had a dream about you and you were shoveling snow. Oh, um, but he's definitely going to jail, uh, for, for holding a ton of weed on his person, which I don't agree with decriminalized weed, fight the cops, a cab, do it. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Good to know. All right. Kelly. Kelly, the patriarch of the Stone family, appears to be the most level-headed one, but can also have weird outbursts that maybe don't suit the situation. Should he go to jail? He is the the soft side of the Velcro that holds this family together. Um, He's got a soft exterior, a lovable teddy bear kind of... um, approachableness to him i don't think his outbursts are unwarranted or over the top he's not going to jail he's he's walking he's a free man interesting okay next on the list we have julie julie is meredith's sister she almost immediately starts flirting with everett the second she meets him she agrees to try on her sister's potential engagement ring and you know she stood out like a white sore thumb on whatever island she was on to watch a totem pole getting erected. Should she go to jail? For her white privilege, probably. Um, but I think she is the most sane one. We're not going to victim shame. We don't do that here. Uh, he forced himself upon her to put that ring on her. She was saying, no, I don't want to do that. And he still did it anyway. Um, so she's not going to jail. Yeah, I give them two years. Um, okay. Next on our list is Meredith. Meredith could be considered the most blameless character in this entire film, but she also clearly needs to get with the times and learn how to talk to people like a normal person. She also steals Amy's bedroom. Is that enough to send her to jail? Absolutely. Like as soon as they pull up, she should have just been hauled away. Surely Brandanowitz has connections, uh, with someone in this, in the city, uh, cause she sucks. She's the worst, and she's only making this comfortable family un- more uncomfortable. Like, absolutely not. You, like, you can't compromise and say, like, I'm the guest. Clearly, I should be sleeping on uh, the couch. Uh, it's no big deal, Amy. Let this be my olive branch. But no, she sticks her uh, foot in her mouth again, and uh, she's the worst. Go to jail. Interesting. All right, all right. Think about Meredith what she's in jail for life. For um, life, without parole. We're getting down to the final three here. Next, we have Sybil. All right, now here's where we get serious. Sybil has cancer, 
and she clearly cares about her family being happy, but she also absolutely enables and maybe even encourages the family's whole entitled bit, and she gets weirdly mad about the coffee. Should she go to jail? She's dying. She doesn't she doesn't have to go to jail. She's she gets the pass of like yeah. I, have, I have cancer. I'm you can't send me to jail. You're right, Diane Keaton. I'm not gonna send you to jail. Your outbursts, sure, they're they're warranted. She is the prickly side of the Velcro to to uh um Craig T. Nelson's soft side that's holding the family together. She's a little prickly, she has her nuance, she wants to have fresh coffee, like who doesn't, you know, with a house full of 15 people. Keep coffee on the pot. What are you doing? Um, send Meredith to jail again. Do, do a double accent <laughs> for that for that thing. Uh, and she didn't know that Everett was allergic to mushrooms. Like, what is your problem? Has anyone ever made this Velcro metaphor before? Because I am loving it. Uh, uh, you, no, you should write this down. Patent pending. Um, yeah. All right, we're almost done. Uh, Amy. Amy is maybe more mean in this movie than Rachel McAdams is in the actual movie Mean Girls. She brings her laundry home for Christmas, but she does appear she does appear to come around on Meredith in the end. Is she just snarky and protective of her siblings and doesn't like anything to change? Or is she way over the top and should she go to jail? All right, this is a split decision. It's going to be a split jury a hanging chad kind of a thing um they're not sure what to do with her uh, but she is cunning enough she's going to escape and she's going to get off scot-free however she is the youngest uh that automatically gives her disadvantage all youngest children are little gremlins at some point um in a big family like this uh they act out they uh you know have their problems she's doing her laundry that's not a big deal but she's standing up for herself she's standing up for her family I get it. And also, you know, she supports uh, National Public Radio. And, um, you know, we love that. We love that for her. Yeah. Unfortunately, we love Rachel McAdams. She's great. We, and yeah, she is Rachel McAdams. Everyone loves her. All right. The last one, and you knew it would be um, Everett. Everett is the devil incarnate. He is absolutely the villain of this movie. He does not appear to like his girlfriend at all. He hangs Meredith out to dry the second they enter the house, gaslights her into thinking that he was never going to propose to her, and immediately drops her for her sister the second Julie shows up. How long should Everett go to jail? Um, he should go to jail on like his minor offenses just immediately and then be let out. Only for them to pull the rug from under them and be like, <laughs> get back here, you scoundrel. You're back in jail. You're serving the double life sentence alongside Meredith. Uh, and you two crazy kids are going to work it out together in there. This man sucks. He is the worst. He is a gaslighting piece of shit, indecisive, um, bad hair. Uh, he plays the same character every time. And now I'm attacking the actor. That's not fair. Um, Eric, uh, Everett, the character, he's a terrible. Is he the oldest brother? Probably, right? Yeah, yeah. He's the oldest. He should know better. He should have his shit together um, by now. He's clearly in his 40s. Like, what is your problem, my man? Um, yeah. Straight to jail. No ifs, ands, or buts. Um, it, it is uh, high security, no visitors, um, no sunlight either. You know, it is the worst form of punishment he gets. Yeah, yeah he, he, he does the thing where they walk in a circle every once a week you know oh yeah and then he eventually just wears down the concrete mm -hmm. yeah mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. he's got like a 
a, a steel ball attached to his ankle. It's like yeah. really old fashioned. So old fashioned. But for him, it's it's not because he has he has it coming to him. Justin, thank you for your service to this community and mm. ensuring that these dangerous people remain behind bars as long as possible. Yes. Um, you you leave these nice families alone, people. <laughs> you get out. That was should they go to jail Christmas spirited edition. Uh, we look forward to playing uh, the next time. That's right. Great. Um, I had fun with this. This is uh, this was a, a delight. Uh, uh, I enjoyed myself. Christmas. Uh, it's Christmas. You're not going to give me a dud. Um, it's it was silly, over the top, cringeworthy, uh, sad at times. Um, but I mean, everyone comes away the better for it. I don't think it's justified in a lot of this in a lot of senses. But um, do you think Ryan shares all your uh, feelings on this movie? Oh yeah, you guys, like disagree on anything? No, 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 no. We 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 shared a lot of the same sentiments of like, what is happening here? How is no one saying anything about the madness that's happening between people just like? meeting for the first time and running after them like control your son he is clearly out of control and he's going to hurt somebody emotionally yeah. physically send him to jail so you guys are such a united front it, it makes me happy about the future yes we are velcro we are the velcro together Aww. yeah yeah so we do it I'm, I'm gonna write that down i'm gonna write that down all right well, that was the family stone. Uh, thank you for participating in my yearly rewatch. I'm so glad we got to tie it into this podcast. It makes um, so much sense that that even though if you didn't know it, that's why you love this movie because it reminds you of your own family. No, uh, shut coming, up. coming home together for Christmas. Not saying that y'all are a bunch of narcissists and uh, protective, <laughs> but it's just that the homey feeling of like I'm coming back to my family home and it feels good. No, um, most of, most of my family can't stand this movie, which I think is a good sign. Um. <laughs> okay. Well, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You um, guys tell me, tell me a little bit more about what's happening in the back half of this Christmas miniseries. Back half of Christmas, true to form. Last year we did, uh, um, uh, a Christmas story was your pick, and then we did Gremlins, which is mine, which is kind of adjacent to like horror, um, but it's still a through and through Christmas movie. Uh, gonna do it again. We're gonna double dip. Um, we're going to watch Gremlins 2. No, we're going to watch. <laughs> <laughs> we're watching uh, 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 a Christmas horror um, jaunt that I love so much ever since it came out called Krampus. It's got Tony Collette and uh, it's, it's fucking phenomenal. I am very excited for the cast of this movie. Um, I know that it's loaded. This came out relatively recently right it's like 2014 i think okay yeah uh it was uh, a it was a, a a halloween horror nights haunted house uh one year in orlando at universal studios and it was awesome so uh I'll talk about that uh but yeah we're, we're going back to to scary christmas movies folks uh it's gonna be great very nice. But yeah, um, we're going to we're going to do that in the next week or so and load it up for the back half of the back half of the the month and then who knows what's going to happen in January. I got some ideas, but I need to run it by Joe first. Yeah, we probably need to get together on that. I think it's going to be another wild card month um or uh you know, we'll figure out a theme. Who knows? Maybe we just do TV from now on. Oh my god. Can you imagine. Anyway, uh great. Joe, take us away. 
All right, y'all. Well, this has been the Uncultured Cinematic Universe. Thank you so much for coming along on this Christmas journey that totally uh, wasn't about horrible people or horrible situations that they find themselves in. And we <laughs> hope that you add the Family Stone to your yearly rewatch list. Yep, 7 out of 10 meaningful snowflakes uh, ornaments mm-hmm. from over here, folks. Go watch it. Catch us wherever you get your pods casted and at UCU Podcast on Instagram. Bye. Bye.